This episode of the Eggology Club podcast is sponsored by Episona. You're doing everything you can think of to investigate your own fertility. Don't overlook men. Get him tested with the Episona sperm test. Male fertility is more than sperm count. It's sperm quality, too. Episona makes a new advanced sperm quality test that you can take at home. Learn if problems in sperm DNA could help you from developing normal embryos, especially if you're considering IVF. Visit www.episona.com, that's E-P-I-S-O-N-A.com, to learn more and purchase a test kit. Remember to mention Egg Club at checkout and get 10% off your purchase. This is Eggology Club podcast number 16, Equality. Welcome to the club, the Eggology Club. This podcast is redefining the modern-day journey to parenthood. You're invited to join us as we share empowering real-life stories and change the conversation around family planning. Let's navigate this journey together. Make sure to follow us at eggologyclub.com. And now, meet your new BFF and fertility host, Valerie Landis. Well, welcome to this new episode of the Eggology Club podcast. My name is Valerie. I'm your host, and I'm a fertility advocate in the space. So what that means is basically, hey, I'm here to be your girlfriend's guide to all of this egg freezing jazz, right? I know it can be super overwhelming as we begin to look at egg freezing. Like, how do we pick our doctor? How do we pick our clinic? What does this all mean? Well, no fear. I've got your back. If you want to reach us, we have a toll-free number, 978 egg club, or you can reach us at eggologyclub at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And thanks for tuning into the show. Now today we're going to talk about how things are not fair, right? Life's not fair. If we struggle with fertility treatments, whether we have unexplained infertility or whether our eggs just don't work. If you live in the UK, there's actually some really unfair regulations and laws that govern anyone who is in that country or freezes and has fertility treatments in the United Kingdom. I have known about several of these laws and regulations that have been in practice for some time, and I want to share some of the regulations and rules, how they're not the same everywhere in every country. In the UK, There is a governing body called the Human Fertilization and Embryo Authority, the HFEA. It's kind of like the American Society of Reproductive Medicine in the United States, ASRM, but they decided that they only allow frozen eggs to be stored for up to 10 years, which is kind of crazy. The UK storage limits for frozen eggs for either social reasons or medical reasons is just too short, especially for young women that are wanting to preserve their opportunity to conceive later in life. You know, some of these old regulations, they just don't apply anymore. Like it's almost like our regulations and our laws don't keep up with what society norms are. So that was law number one that made me realize like, wow, we're so fortunate if you live in the United States you don't have to deal with the regulation of storage and how many years you can actually store your eggs. Because think about it, if you froze your eggs at 23, at, at 33, which is still relatively young, you don't want to have to make the choice on whether you're going to keep them or not, right? So that is kind of difficult. The next regulation in law that's not 
the same as other governments is the Chinese government actually forbids single women from freezing their eggs unless they have a partner, i.e. a male partner. So once again, going back to this very standard uh, heterosexual relationship in order to freeze your eggs. And so it gives women less options because in China, or the China Ministries of Health, says that women that are wanting to or interested in reproductive technologies must present a marriage certificate, an identified card, and a birth permit in order to use the technology. And they have to prove that they have one partner that's suffering with fertility issues, which is really invasive. And so they banned this technology, and it became very controversial It's actually really hard to even talk about uh, these topics online because it's very hush-hush. But there was an actor in China, um, Hugh Jaling. She reported that she froze her eggs in the States. The fact that she's a celebrity and she took these steps to preserve her fertility, leaving China for what's socially acceptable if you don't get married at a really young age, is potential that you could have a hard time conceiving. It's interesting to see how these regulations and laws are shifting. Like, for example, in the UK, like going back to the UK example, there's now this petition and this campaign that's happening to change the laws in the UK about their storage regulations. So I think it's pretty interesting that we're finally bringing up these taboo topics and addressing them. So let's pause the conversation for just a moment and take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. Future Family is a new fertility financing company that helps you afford treatments with packages as low as $75 per month. Plans cover clinic fees, medications, storage, and a nurse concierge. Use offer code EGGCLUB to access exclusive discounts for Egology Club listeners and visit futurefamily.com today. Your future will thank you. Well, thanks so much for sticking with us. Support from our podcast sponsors are key to everything that we do here at Egology Club. I'm really appreciative of everyone that has been leaving an iTunes review. I I just checked in to see some of the ratings and reviews and I really appreciate all of your feedback. So thank you. If you haven't left a review, please take just a few minutes and on iTunes in the middle section, you can rate and review the, the show. My guest today is Elizabeth Higgins Clark. She is Mary Higgins Clark's granddaughter, the famous book author that is, pretty well known. In fact, she's a actress in Hollywood, and she decided to freeze her eggs and preserve her fertility right before she turned 30. Elizabeth is a big advocate for women empowerment and understanding your own body. Uh, She does a lot of speaking at colleges and campuses and universities as well. So she was featured in a couple of Huffington Post articles that got some rave reviews on why she froze her eggs before she was 30. I thought she was a perfect guest for today because of her work in the space of making sure to help young people understand their options. She's been using her platform and star power to help shape and educate women, which I really appreciate. 
Elizabeth is an activist as well for the LGBTQ population and recently got engaged. So congratulations, Elizabeth. Since this interview, she has since been planning a wedding with her future wife, and we're so happy for her. So without further ado, let's tune into the interview with Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, how are you? Well, thanks for giving me some of your time. How about we start a little bit about who you are and and what you're all about? My name is Elizabeth Higgins-Clark. I live in Los Angeles. I'm from New Jersey. And I moved out here uh, because I work as an actor out here. And then um, two years ago, I froze my eggs while I was still in my 20s. And then subsequently, I've done some speaking about that and uh, kind of gone to some college campuses to try to educate younger women about fertility. What was the outcome of your freezing? Did you do it just one time? I did just one time. Um, I was 29 at the time. So I, uh, I got a pretty sizable harvest. Uh, I produced 24 eggs in a cycle and then 16 of the 24 were mature enough to freeze. So I have 16 frozen. Yeah. I had a similar outcome. I had 23 follicles. I think 22 got distracted and 17 froze. Wow. That's really good. Yeah. You too. Did you have a hard time picking the clinic that you wanted to go to or? No. Well, I, I went, I interviewed at a couple different places. I went to, you know, I had a couple different consultations with doctors. I decided to do it. Uh, I live in Los Angeles, but my family is all in New York and New Jersey. So I don't have any immediate plans to leave Los Angeles, but I knew no matter where I am, my family will always be in the New York, New Jersey area. So I ended up going with, um, RMA, Mm -hmm. uh, in New Jersey because I really liked them and I knew that they had quite the reputation. So they do have a good reputation. How did you first learn about egg freezing? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. Like I certainly had heard of it. I remember watching an episode of the Kardashians where Kim (laughs) Kardashian froze her eggs. Um, but I had heard of it for sure. I don't know where I first heard of it. Um, but when I really got serious about it was in January of 2014, I read a brief article about a woman who gave birth to her first child at the age of 49. And I thought, how does that happen? happen? And so, you know, I, when I, I did some research on that and I thought, you know, the, what I learned was that most likely those weren't her eggs. They were either donor eggs or if she had frozen her eggs a long time ago, but most likely they were donor eggs. So then I kind of started to think about, gosh, there's this possibility where I could be my own egg donor. And so that's kind of what led me to egg freezing. Uh, so that kind of got the whole concept started for you. Yes, for sure. Um, was there a particular life event or something that that also made you think about egg freezing or? Um, I think, well, I, you know, it was January and I think oftentimes in January you start thinking about what you want from a new year. And also I knew that that was the year that I was going to turn 30. And so I think any birthday that ends in zero kind of makes you take stock of things and think about what you want and, and, some of my friends were starting to have children and I knew I wanted children, but I didn't feel like I was close. Didn't think it was a year away or two years away. I thought it was more like five years away or maybe even longer. And so that kind of sent me down the path of, well, if it is going to be five years away, 
and I want more than one child, how can I give myself the best odds of having the outcome that I desire? So do you feel pretty motivated to become a mother and that was also a reason you froze? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've always wanted children, so that's it's important to me. You know, that's certainly motivated my decision to freeze my eggs, for sure. And how was your cycle? Did you feel like it was manageable? How was the shots? Like, Yeah, no, a- I thought it, I had done a lot of internet research, which is not like, <laughs> I don't think it's the greatest thing in the world. But um, so I was expecting it to be much worse than it actually was. I mean, I had some, it was pretty uncomfortable by the end. And, you know, the shot, it's unpleasant. It's not, it's, it just feels like that whole time while you're doing it, your life revolves around that and which is fine. So it's, it's an interesting time, but I found, you know, I had, I think I had a pretty mild experience. I didn't experience a lot of things that I had read about that seemed terrible, but I I was pretty uncomfortable by the end. And then I had a rough, like I'd say two to three days after the harvest. I really did not. Me too. I was so glad my harvest was on a Thursday because then I had Friday, Saturday and Sunday to recover. Yeah. I mean, I've heard about some women going back to work the next day and I, don't know how they do that. That I, I don't think I could have done that. I was really kind of out for the count for about two to three days. Right. I had to ask a neighbor to come help me just to make a bed. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's so... I, I What was good for me is I was actually at home since I did it in New Jersey. And so I had my mom to kind of like take care of me a little bit. Which yeah. Was moms are great for that. They are. So how was your family? Were they pretty supportive? Very, you know, I was a little nervous about telling them, um, my parents are divorced, so I told them separately, but, uh, you know, I, I told, I remember I was really fortunate. I told my dad that I was thinking about doing it. And the first thing out of his mouth was I'll pay for half. Oh, wow. So nice. And so I, you know, we split that and yeah, then he's investing in his future grandchildren. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, you know, I, I'm, I have a brother, but he has something called fragile X syndrome. So, uh, which is a form of mental retardation. So he'll never have children. So I think I'm my parents only chance for grandchildren. So I think he, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it, it's, you know, it's, it would be a lot of pressure if I didn't want them, but I do sure. want them. So, um, I think he was happy to kind of help secure that. He told me that he had thought about that maybe I should do that. He, it had come to him that he thought I should do that, but he didn't know how to like approach it with me. So, or talk about the topic. Yeah. Yeah. He just didn't know if I would get upset if I, if he suggested it or whatever, but, um, that's so so he was quite happy when I brought it to him. And then my mom was supportive. My whole family was, was quite supportive. That's great. I think family support definitely makes the whole process a little easier because then you don't have to hide anything. And yeah, was the finances part, did that seem challenging or since your dad offered to pay for half, it definitely alleviated that burden? You know, it's a lot of money. And I just actually got my, um, storage fee bill like two weeks ago for this coming year. And, uh, it's a lot, but it felt like for me and where I was at and the resources I had, it felt like it was worth it. So I thought, all right, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well do it as soon as possible. So I'll only have to do it, hopefully only have to do it once. And that's a good point because um, quality is just as important as quantity. Quality is almost more important. Yeah, that's but... a good point. So how do you feel afterward? It was weird. Like the first few months, I would be like, Ooh, I'm a month older than my eggs. Or, you know, I would think about that a lot in the first, in the first few months. Now I got to say, I don't really think about them 
that much anymore. You know, I know, but it's a nice comfort. I feel much less frantic than I used to feel. No matter what happens, I feel like I made this decision to give myself the best future I can have, no matter what form that future kind of takes. I don't know. I think life's greatest luxury is a sense of possibility. And I think egg freezing gives you a lot of that. A lot of options. Yeah. What would be the best advice you would give someone that's debating whether they should do this or not? Or um, I would say definitely do your research and kind of find out because I don't think it's for everyone. I don't think it's something that should just be an across the board thing that girls do. I think it's, you know, if it makes sense for you, do it. But I think definitely learn about it, whether you're just curious or whether you think, oh, I would never do that. It's just, it's, it's an amazing time because we're at the beginning of a time where this is a possibility and that this is becoming more and more accessible. And so I think take advantage of the fact that we are the beginning of that. You know, that's, right. that's exciting. Yeah, we're definitely... Um, in the generation where if we had been born 10 years ago, this may not have been a possibility for us. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We're really at the beginning of it. Yeah. So that's, that's a great thing. Well, I just think you're such an inspiration to women and your story is really powerful. I think you're such an inspiration. I really appreciate the fact that you're spending so much time and energy trying to help educate women about this exciting new thing that's available to them. Thank you. Well, and you are too. So you, you speak to a lot of colleges or campuses? Yeah. I mean, I've done that and, and I'd like to continue doing more of it. I really, I think what's so interesting is so often, uh, when I was, before I started doing it, people would say to me, Oh, well, you're not going to really get like college age girls. It's just too far down the road. They're not going to want to think that long term." And I completely disagree because when I've done them, you know, I give a speech and then at the end there's time for Q and a, and you were never at a loss for questions. These girls like have a lot of them and they want answers. And so I think that it's, it's foolish to kind of write them off as, you know, not really thinking about their futures because a lot of them really are. Well, especially when you're in that career mindset of getting your degree and what your future plans are for work and yeah, and yeah. what your goals are. I, I think it is important to talk about it sooner, talk about it earlier. So you have time to digest all these feelings. One question that I get asked frequently is if you had it to do over again, would you still, do you think 29 is the time to do it? And honestly, if I had to do it over again, and I knew what I know now, I would have done it like first month out of college. Really? I think that would have been, yeah, I would have taken the month off after college, done it, and then had them there and kind of go off, live your life. And if you need them, you need them. If you don't, you don't. But it's, I mean, think about how many you could produce and how good they would be at 22. Right. It's, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. And I don't think we're that far away from that becoming a more, maybe not a common practice, but a you know, certainly not unusual. Right. I, and I think the price is getting driven down to now that there's more people investing For sure. in it. It's definitely becoming more accessible. And a, a lot of places are offering payment plans and things like or that. Or packages where you could do it multiple times, asking the right questions too. When yeah. you're comfortable with a clinic saying, Hey, what are my options? Absolutely. And most places I think do have options as far as I know. I, but I think it's a strange thing because you, you want to do it in a cost effective way, but it's certainly not something that you just want to go to the cheapest place to do because 
you don't want to like skimp on this, right? You, know, you want right. to make sure you're going to a place that has good practices and and good I, ethics I think, and yes, good ethics materials. I really felt um, RMA in New Jersey, which I had a very good experience at. I really like that on the back end, their whole philosophy is one baby at a time. Aww. So they're not looking like when you go to use the eggs, they're not looking to implant three or four embryos or anything like that. Just and for rates or stats or. Yeah, know. exactly. They want one, one healthy baby at a time. That is their philosophy. And I really appreciate that. And, and that, you know, helped me kind of make a decision because I thought, you know, that's what I want. You don't want it's, it's not ideal to get into a situation where you're pregnant with triplets or quadruplets and, oh. you know, that can lead to some very difficult choices. So, well, and, or the pregnancy might not go to full term and then you sure. have you, babies yeah. in the NICU that could die or have health issues. Mm. So we'll just hope nothing happens. Yes, please. No, <laughs> you can just wave to your little icicles as you drive by your parents' house. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've been so much of a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for giving oh. me some of your time. Oh, of course. Thank you so much, Valerie. It was so nice to talk to you. All right. Take care. Elizabeth was such a fun interview. I'm really thankful for her time. I'm always very humbled when anyone wants to tell their journey with experience.com or Eggology Club podcast because it's just such an important place for you to learn about other people's journey. I think this would be a good time. Let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. When you want to start a family, but traditional methods aren't an option, consider using Mosey. Mosey is the first syringe designed specifically to help you conceive at home. Endorsed by fertility experts, Mosey is worth trying before expensive and invasive options like IUI and IVF. To learn more about how Mosey has helped families conceive from all walks of life, visit moseybaby.com. That's M-O-S-I-E baby.com. And use code EGGCLUB for 10% off your order. And we're back. So when we think about all the different topics that egg freezing brings up, you know, one has to really plan and and kind of decide how this is going to happen. And if you are of the LGBTQ community, you have to do a little bit more planning than a heterosexual couple does or a heterosexual person does. And that can leave you with many different feelings and emotions. Now I'm going to turn the focus on some more heated debate and news media articles that have been kind of shocking to read. So there was a article that was out about a lesbian mother in Italy who couldn't legally register her baby. So the backstory is Chara Fartoglia is in Italy, and her authorities wouldn't let her recognize her baby unless she said she conceived the child with a male partner. But instead, she actually received artificial insemination, or commonly known as IUIs, because she and her partner were trying to conceive their son. And so they were told that unless she agreed to say that she had sex with a man, that she couldn't declare that her child was actually hers, which is so barbaric and, and silly. They used artificial semination in Denmark because it's actually illegal for 
non-heterosexual couples to receive IVF treatment in Italy. Now, you know the Pope, Rome, everything is in Italy. So I think with the Catholic Church and the community, maybe that is why they have some of those outdated laws and regulations. So it's really not cool, but especially for the LGBTQ population. I mean, there are so many key components to the struggles of having a child or a family when you are LGBTQ that most people may not think about, but Italy literally does not allow any fertility treatments, including surrogacy, sperm and egg donation, or even embryo freezing from anyone that's apart from a straight couple. I think I need to call in some experts, and the perfect couple for this topic would be Kate and Corrine Levy. So they have their own podcast. Their podcast is called Gay Show on Birth. Kate and Corrine live in the Bay Area in San Francisco and have been documenting their journey as they begin to grow their family and use reciprocal IVF or a anonymous sperm donor, but they inseminated Kareen's egg and they put it into Kate. So Kate is the carrier of their child. And so I wanted to dial up Kate and Kareen Levy, who have the gayest show on birth, to talk about this subject because it is so important to hear their point of view as a lesbian couple on how they think and feel about all of these regulations. So let's tune into them. Hey, Valerie. So, you know, reading the the news about the the lesbian couple in Italy who weren't able to uh, register their baby unless they said that um, he was conceived by her, one of the women having sex with a man. I mean, that is just so disheartening that, you know, in today's day and age that we still have to like justify how we make children and how we, you know, bring children into this world. And, you know, and then there's the the couple in Canada where, you know, one of them is Israeli and he and their kid can't get uh, American citizenship, even though his twin can like stuff like that. Like, it seems like the laws are just like disrupting families rather than helping things out, I think. Yeah. And a lot of the laws that these are based on are, you know, relatively old. Um, the one in Italy is based on a decree from 2002 that basically says that, you know, no one other than a heterosexual married couple would ever seek or need fertility treatments. Um, you know, it's just seriously, seriously just behind the times. Totally. And I think, you know, for us, like if we had to lie and say that we, I don't know what we would do. What would, what do you think we would do? You know, I, I don't know. It's hard. Like for, for this couple, you know, because fertility treatments are illegal in Italy for anyone outside of a heterosexual marriage, you know, they, they went to another country. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's like they already knew, you know, from the get go that this was going to be a problem. Uh, a problem. And to some degree, that's still a true here in the States. Um, you know, even though we have more legal protections and obviously fertility treatments aren't illegal for anyone. Um, but even here in the States, you know, even though I'm carrying our child, it's 
biologically not mine in any way. And so I will still have to adopt our child legally, even if, even though I'll be on the birth certificate and even though I gave birth to this child, I will have to adopt it. Yeah, which seems ridiculous. I mean, you know, we live in California and the, and here, I think if, if we never wanted to leave the state, we probably would be okay. But if we ever wanted to go anywhere else, like the thought that something could happen, that our legal, you know, our, our rights could be, you know, questioned because we didn't go through this extra hoop is just unbelievable that we still have to like even consider doing that even though marriage has been legal in the United States since 2015 so you know luckily again being in California it you don't have to go before the court you fill out the forms you pay the fee uh it's you know a formality of sorts but you know in many other states in fact I think most other states you have to go before a judge to prove that you both intend to parent this child and that's, you know, why you're adopting it. Right, which is totally insane if you're already doing IVF. Like, obviously, you want right. to have and you're married, kid, and, and you're yeah. married, and you have to prove it to somebody. So, you know, we, we point to these other places, and we're like, oh, how awful for her. And then, we you know, you look at what our own situation, and we're still, you know, it's not, we're still not there yet, I don't think, even in, in the United States, um, to give, like, equal rights to everybody. Yep, there's definitely work to be done, and, uh, you know, luckily... There, these conversations are happening and it's being brought to the media and, and, you know, people can kind of become more aware of situations that are happening to couples that are maybe outside of, uh, you know, what their own situation is. Yeah, totally. Thanks, Kate and Corrine, for giving us your two cents on these very important topics. Hey, everyone, go check out The Gayest Show on Birth by Kate and Corrine to follow up and hear more about their birth story and how things are transpiring in their life. Now, I want you to think about kind of your situation. And I know we talk a lot about like how much egg freezing costs and the meds and the hormones make us feel, but I think we need to turn a little bit and be grateful that we can do it at all and that the technology exists. And I think that's a really key aspect to egg freezing. Okay, it's time for the egg clubber shout out on someone just like you that is doing something really cool in the space of egg freezing. If you have somebody you want to nominate, we would love to take your suggestions. A person that is doing something fun in the space. But this week, we're going to turn the attention to Julia's egg journey. She has an Instagram account. The username is Julia's, J-U-L-I-A-S underscore egg underscore journey is her user account number. And she's just documenting her egg freezing journey in such a fun way. So thanks, Julia, for your efforts and an open dialogue for people to learn about egg freezing. She is in the West Coast and just froze her eggs. She's around 37, 38 years old. And so we're thinking of you. So high five, shout out, go Julia. If you'd like to get a hold of us, we would love to hear from you. We have a toll-free number, 978-EGG-CLUB. If you're outside the U.S., that's a plus one, 978-344-2582. And we have a Gmail account email eggology club at gmail. If 
you'd rather hang out on our social feed, you can find us pretty much everywhere at Eggology Club. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, LinkedIn, SoundCloud, you name it, we're online. Well, that's it for our show this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you have a comment or question, feel free to reach out to us and we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, Valerie out. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to episode 16 of the Eggology Club podcast, Equality. On the next show, Mimi Lee bravely bears her soul to tell us about her rushed fertility treatments, divorce, and cancer. It's a heart-wrenching story you can't miss. Today's episode of Eggology Club was hosted by Valerie Landis with a special thanks to our guest. The show was produced and mixed by Shannon Holly. The theme music is by John Rosso. Cover artwork and logo by Lily Chen. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, leave a rating on iTunes, and contact us at eggologyclub.com. Do you love red wine and coffee, but you care about keeping your teeth white? Then you need to be a diva. A Vino Diva. Vino Diva is a reusable wine aeration straw. It aerates your wine with every sip to make it taste incredible. And it protects your smile from red wine and coffee stains. Search Vino Diva on Amazon today. Every woman has the little black dress. Now, every woman needs the little black straw. Vino Diva. Available now with Amazon Prime.